The Tea Health Show, your medical lifestyle podcast, brought to you by The Tea Clinic. Good morning, this is The Tea Health Show. I'm Dr. Mark. And in studio with me today, I have Sister Elise Van Art and our lovely producer, Simpriwe. Morning, girls. Morning. Can you believe it? We're in August. <laughs> I, well, okay. I'm counting down the days until summer. <laughs> ah, okay. You know what? Yes, I'm doing that as well, especially having come back from Europe. Ooh. You know what? And when you walk into the cold, it's not fun. So, um, yeah, it's August. August is Women's Month. And um, as for us at the tea clinic, um, this is a month where we celebrate women in all forms and guises, from leaders of industry to mothers, aunts, sisters, and even daughters. So we've decided to do um, a series on women's health issues. Um, and we're going to cover a couple of interesting topics. <laughs> so I would um, like you to listen to these and maybe just, um, you know, would make a note to follow us um, over the next month. Today, we're going to discuss the risk of hormone imbalances. Okay. And then we're going to take a look next week at the importance of screening for cancer in women. Um, we know some of the obvious ones, but there are ones that are just as prevalent, which we don't pay a lot of attention to. Um, something that Sister Elise and I see in the practice very often is mood disorders in women, and it's all related to hormone imbalances and stress. Another one um, is postpartum depression in women, um, young ladies who have um, babies and, you know, would then battle with depression afterwards, which is um, really, really difficult for them to manage. And then the last show, I'm going to have my good friend, Dr. Vivian Jandera, um, on the show, and we're going to talk about breast reduction and why we can do it or should do it and how we can get around medical aids actually helping us to pay for these things. Ooh, okay. So interesting topics for the, for the month. Um, Sissy Elise, when you and I sat and we um, decided on the topics, um, one of the things that came to mind is women know about menopause. Um, and they know the symptoms of menopause, um, which they associate as hot flushes and night sweats and irritability and mood swings. But one of the things that women do not realize is a decline in hormones. And here we're talking specifically estrogen um, has a myriad of health risks which really impact your morbidity in otherwise, uh, in other words, how healthy you are and your quality of life and ultimately mortality, you know, with your life expectancy. So um, do you want to... Is it fair for me to say, just to mention, that it's normal for hormones to always be in flux? Absolutely. And then out of that... It's not normal 
or you can sometimes feel all these symptoms like mood changes. A, a popular saying is, oh, just leave me, I'm hormonal today or something like that. But when it becomes um, severe or it debilitates your life, then that's where your risks is increasing of hormone imbalances. I think it's a fair statement to say that. And in one particular area, specifically, um, when mood swings, irritability, etc., etc., starts affecting your day-to-day life, it has a very, very big impact on brain function. Yes. But, you know, it, it is something that... Um, as we go along, I really want to take a bit of time and explain why that is happening and how it's impacting your well-being um, and health, not just your perception of well-being, but actually your your health. I, I think, you know, that's something that we can uh, really discuss in, in, in detail. Okay. Um, So my next question then is um, the risks of hormone imbalances is myriad. I mean, and we're not only talking about estrogen, yeah. There's other symptoms involved. And the first change is that specifically women, which we see in our practice, is the mental side as well as the weight gain side. So how does that get together or how does how's that a risk for a woman every day well um i think let's let's start um i i think we need to understand risk i i try and simplify it as follows if you get in your car and you drive to the shop you have a risk of being in an accident. Am I right? There's always a risk. Yes. So let's change the conditions in which you are driving. Say um, a bright sunny morning to a rainy day. We know that when it's rainy, you leave earlier because you're going to drive slower Mm-hmm. And most probably you're going to come a- across an accident, someone that went into the back of someone because um, either of slippery road conditions or visibility. And you know what? That means simply your risk of being in an accident is higher. Now, when you change hormone levels, the same applies. Whether it's hormones becoming too little or declining, or if you have an excess of hormones, that creates an imbalance which changes your risk profile. And I think that's something that we need to understand. Um, Medications like hormone treatment, if done correctly, rebalances the systems, actually decreasing and the risk of developing um, serious illnesses, um, not increase them. But 
please, you know what you need to understand that this is when the hormones are balanced, yes. not when you have too many hormones. Yes. I want us to just listen to the following. And for me, when I asked you to take a look at this, I was astounded. And that is something called our biological age. Yes. So, so is, this, is this similar to like the biological clock? No. Okay. Yeah, I, I, I actually think that you can, you can relate the two. It's okay. not exactly the similar. If I ask you to venture a guess at to what the current lifespan um, for a woman in South Africa is, what would you guess? I would say 65. Yeah, you know, but I, I think we can go up to about 73. In um, more developed countries, it can go up as, as high as 85. Sure. Now, what do you think your biological lifespan is? Oof. Okay, but I think you need to explain biological lifespan. So we developed uh-huh. through our evolution uh-huh. and every species – has a biological lifespan. So the smaller the animal, the shorter the lifespan. So if oh. you think of um, lemmings, you know, if they have a lifespan maybe of a year, two years max, um, and then you have rats who can have a longer lifespan, and then you get uh, dogs, and we know that bigger dogs have shorter lifespans than smaller dogs, etc., etc. Cats have a lifespan of average 15 to 17 years, um, and that's really an old cat already. If we look at elephants, their lifespan is in the 50s. Whales can go up to um, 70s. Turtles, you know, it can go up to 100, 120. So um, I think the longest living mammal is the sperm whale that can, uh, or a grey whale, one of the two, that can grow as old as 100 years. So our Biological age for humans uh-huh. is estimated to be 38 years. Yo. Okay. Now, what we have accomplished through medical advancement and, um, you know, with the way in which we live our lives, uh-huh. we've prolonged our lifespan, but we haven't changed the biology. So that doesn't sound good, though. No, but it, you know what? It, it, it's not a bad thing. The okay. problem is when you look at hormone cycles, uh-huh. you have to take into account your biological lifespan. Uh-huh. So you are in your prime, in your late teens and your 20s. And then from the age of about 25, 26, 27. Don't say that you start declining. So hormone systems, the body starts breaking so sorry, down. it's not 65, simply. <laughs> so the body starts breaking down. So by the time that we get to 40, you know what, systems have started to shut down completely. Oh. And that explains... Changes in hormone levels as we grow up and as we get older. And if we keep that in mind, you know, it, it makes sense that if you can keep your hormone levels 
at optimal performance, like that when you were in your 20s and early 30s, mm-hmm. you live a healthier, longer life. And you know what? That's where I want to start today's discussion is hormone levels naturally start decreasing, but we are living longer. So what we are aiming to do is to keep our hormone levels balanced for longer. And I refer to these things as the diseases of aging. When your hormone levels start changing, you develop the diseases of aging, which includes things like hypertension and diabetes Mm -hmm. and cancer and osteoporosis, cognitive decline and muscle loss. So if we were living in the wild, instead of being one that can hunt, you would become slow and weaker, and eventually the pack will leave you behind. That's the natural order. Now, in today's society, we have an aging society. More and more people are getting older with less children coming in to fill the space which they are leaving as they move through their lifespan. So it's imperative for us to live healthier, longer lives in a productive way. Okay, great. Now, previously we spoke about this triad of hormones or or systems. Do you think, we know that it's all interlinked, and I'm talking about your thyroid and your sex hormones and adrenal gland, am I right? Yeah. Okay. Well, you know, your sex hormone, what I will put right at the top, the top is your pituitary gland. Okay. So what is the risk of one of these systems going in, in imbalance? The risk of one of these systems going in, in, into imbalance is that it affects the other systems yes. because they're all linked with one another. Yeah. So if we, for instance, look at... Um, one of the complications of lower estrogen, um, let's say on inflammation, estrogen is anti-inflammatory. So we see that women that go into menopause earlier have a far higher incidence of chronic pain and inflammatory conditions. For instance, rheumatoid arthritis and osteoarthritis. Okay. Um, and that's, that's debilitating. The Koreans have done a study um, in which they illustrated the role that estrogen has on joints. So what they've done is they took patients with rheumatoid and osteoarthritis and did very proper MRI and X-rays of joints. And then what they did is they divided them into groups, a group that has never had exposure to hormone replacement therapy and the group that are currently taking hormone replacement therapy. And what they saw was that the symptoms as well as the clinical signs on these X-rays and MRIs for the ones on hormones were less severe. 
And what they did is they started the, the women not on hormone replacement therapy, on hormone optimization, and then took a look at the X-rays and MRIs again. And they saw that the joints started to regenerate. Mm. The patients reported less severe symptoms as well. So, you know, it, this is not only confined to your rheumatoid um, conditions. This is also your other inflammatory pain conditions like systemic lupus, multiple sclerosis, et cetera, et cetera. So, you know, it just on on, on joints, not even bone, just on joints, the anti-inflammatory effect of optimal estrogen is incredibly important. How often, Elise, do we sit with patients in our office that are complaining about shoulders, hips, knees, and then they're with a rheumatologist and an endocrinologist, um, and when we get them in the practice all of them still have menopause that hasn't been addressed. Mm. Um, and the moment that we address the menopausal symptoms, all of them report, oh my word, my experience of pain is better. My mobility is increasing. So let's just think about what pain does to your psyche. Yeah. It, it <clears throat> makes you fatigued. It creates depression. Um, which leads to further immobility, et cetera, et cetera. So, you know, when you talk about the triad of things, hormones are so interlinked with one another that if you start fiddling with one or one falls out of balance, it affects everything else yes. in the body. So I just want to go to stay with estrogen. When is too much estrogen a risk? And I'm thinking cancer-wise now. When is too much estrogen a risk? When it's too much. <laughs> so how do we when, know when it's yeah. too much? Yes. You know what, that's, that's a difficult question to ask because you have physiological conditions, normal physiological conditions, where you have estrogen dominance. Yeah. Uh, I'm asking this specifically because we see often patients that's been diagnosed with estrogen dominance and being placed on estrogen blockers. And then the, the whole picture doesn't tell us that. That's going, that is what's going on with this patient. So I need to understand the risk of estrogen dominance specifically to so cancer and, to and cancer. breast cancer. Yeah. Well, you know what, this is, again, this is a difficult question to answer. If we look at one of the biggest studies that has been performed on the safety of estrogen specifically in cancer, the Women's Health Initiative study, um, it shows us that optimal levels of estrogen does not cause cancer. Mm. Unfortunately, that study doesn't speak to high estrogen in cancer. Okay. So these other risk, risks involved with high estrogen. Studies have shown that women 
who have high levels of estrogen are more prone to mood disorders, specifically depression, anxiety, and uh, post-traumatic stress disorder. Okay. It would also affect um, your um, brain where your biggest areas um, with the highest density of estrogen receptors sits in the areas that's responsible for memory. Okay. So with higher estrogen levels, if you have an, um, an insult, and the one that the study referred to specifically was sexual abuse or rape, that those patients um, develop worse symptoms. Mm. So when it comes to cancer, I think overstimulation of tissue uh, can be dangerous. Does it cause cancer? No, estrogen doesn't cause cancer. Okay. It changes your risk. Yes. But it doesn't cause cancer, so it will change the risk. Okay. Um, we need to be very, very careful with hormone treatment. In our practice, it's specifically known as hormone optimization and hormone balancing. Because if I give too much of something, I'm creating a problem somewhere else. Yes. I'm changing a risk profile. Instead <laughs> of negating it, I'm mitigating it. Yeah. Um, so, you know what, you, you really need to know what you are doing. For me, one of the biggest messages that I want to get across in today's uh, podcast is that if you do not have optimal levels of hormones, if you are one of these people that say, no, I'm not going to do hormone replacement therapy, I'm just going to go get old and go through menopause, there are severe risks to your health, which I think we need to just bring to your attention. Number one, mm -hmm. cardiovascular risk. One in nine women will die from a heart attack or a stroke. All of that after menopause. Yes. Women do not get heart. Have you ever heard of a woman who had a, men, uh, a heart attack early on in life, like men do, before the age of 50? Um, I think there was one recent case of a celebrity, but I think it's an anomaly uh, most of the time. Cocaine, darling. Sure. <laughs> sure. <laughs> yeah. So, sorry, when what cocaine does is it causes constriction of cardiovascular blood vessels. Sure. Uh, specifically, or cardiac blood vessels, and that leads to heart attacks. So, you know what, most most common reason for women early is drug use. Okay, so why does this changes change your cardiac risk profile? Why does estrogen change your cardiac risk profile? Number one, it has an effect on your lipid metabolism. Elise, what do we see with patients um, that's going through the perimenopause and menopausal period uh, when we look Definitely at their cholesterol levels? cholesterol levels. Yeah. And, and like you 
taught us well is that's the first thing that elevates if there's hormone imbalances in a woman is that elevated bad cholesterol levels. Yes, yeah. So, and the simple reason for this is that your sex hormones, estrogen and testosterone, comes from cholesterol. So, if your end product is decreasing, the body naturally says, okay, we need to make more. Um, We have to activate the system in order for estrogen to increase. So, you start making more and more cholesterol. And that cholesterol now starts accumulating in blood vessels and it leads to coronary artery and and cerebrovascular problems. So a higher incidence of stroke and a higher incidence of heart attacks, um, which you can prevent. Um, One of the things that we never do in men is suppress their estrogen because the estrogen protects them against cardiovascular issues. If you think of your gym guys Uh who are juicing, and we call it juicing the way in which they use hormones and anabolics, they suppress their estrogen levels. And those are the guys that are fit and healthy and suddenly die of a heart attack in the gym. So cardiovascular is a a, a big issue. So one of the other things um, that we need to understand is the risk of low estrogen on bone health. And here we're specifically thinking of osteoporosis. Um, Estrogen is essential for bone mineralization. So as your estrogen level starts dropping, you start demineralizing the bone. It's not just calcium and vitamin D that plays a role here, but estrogen is a big role. So we see menopausal women going into a osteopenia, and that's when the bone becomes weak, and then osteoporosis, putting you at higher risk for um, fractures, specifically of the hip Yes. Um, and the wrists uh, and vertebra. Yeah. So, you know, but again, when this is something that you can prevent, but you have to balance your hormones and optimize your estrogen levels as you go into menopause within the first couple of years. Um, the longer you leave it, the less effective and the less uh, preventative the hormone optimization then later will will become. Um, can I are we can I go further with um, I've read up about diabetes. It's diabetes and obesity in one word. How does that the risk your risk increase for diabetes with hormone imbalances? Well you know, but when we look at hormone imbalances, we need to understand that we have so many different hormones. There's over 50 hormones in the body. All of them inextricably link to each other. Yes. Now, testosterone, for instance, shares a receptor with insulin. Mm-hmm. And testosterone converts into estrogen. So with a decline in estrogen levels you start 
impacting your adrenal glands. And your adrenals are responsible for the uh, maintaining of blood glucose levels as well as blood pressure. Yes. So when there's a dysregulation in the adrenals because of the effect of the estrogen, which also comes from your adrenal glands, or part of the estrogen comes from adrenal glands, it has an impact on glucose metabolism. So what we can safely say is body changes, body composition changes, that happens when we go into menopause is well accepted. Weight gain, however, is not. Yes. You do not gain weight because of lower estrogen levels directly. You gain weight because other things change. For instance, your thyroid hormone. Um, as we go into menopause, women are more likely to get thyroid dysfunction and not necessarily overt hypothyroidism, but more of a subclinical hypothyroidism. Insulin metabolism changes as well. Now, I always explain insulin as the vehicle that's responsible for moving glucose out of blood vessels into the cells. And when we, when we have more glucose in the cell, you know, just think about how a lot of trucks on the road impact the flow of traffic and how they damage the road surface, which leads to potholes, which, you know what, you know what we drive into and, you know, it comes at great cost. So the same is, is happening for the body. Um, maintaining balance in the systems is important for overall health and well-being. Um, obesity has been classified, uh, I think, when was it, Elise, in 2019? 2021. As a chronic disease, and therefore it should be treated as such. Yeah. And, you know, what? when you look <coughs> at weight, it was one of the topics we considered discussing on the show, Um Effective weight loss depends on treating the metabolic conditions first, preparing the body to lose the weight effectively by detoxing it and giving the organs like the liver, the kidneys, the gut, the ability to deal with the toxins which is stored in the fat that you want to lose. If you don't do that, you actually just compound the problem. We store toxins in fat cells. So when we start breaking down and releasing fat, we release toxins. So you have to look at the underlying metabolic conditions first. Yes. So back to estrogen, we talk systemically about the risk of lower estrogen. But physically, there's also a few changes and risks involved with lower estrogen and I'm thinking on top of my head um, urinary tract infections as well as um, vaginal dryness or atrophy which in itself causes problem for older women or what, whoever has a hormone imbalance can we talk about that a little bit 
So, you know what, I think if um, we look at geriatric medicine, one of the most common issues that we see, especially in older women, are bladder infections, persistent bladder infections. Um, And it can often be a bladder infection that kills a patient who had pneumonia. Um, The effect that estrogen has on mucosa, in other words, the, the lining of the vagina. So your mucosa is, for instance, if you think about the inside of your mouth or your nose, um, your vagina has also got mucosal tissue, is that it keeps it healthy and it keeps those cells functioning, producing uh, lubricants, etc., etc., maintaining the pH, which is responsible for the microbes that live there. If the pH change, you create an environment for foreign microbes to come and take hold, and that leads to further infection. Also, that dryness of a mucosa, you know, just think about it in winter when your lip starts cracking. Yes. It's sore and it creates an opportunity for infections. If you think about your nose, I don't know how many of you sleep with a humidifier in your bedroom. I have to sleep with a humidifier in my bedroom because my mucosas dry out so much that my nose starts bleeding at nighttime. And that's exactly the same what happens with a vaginal mucosa. And here estrogen is incredibly important to maintain healthy pH, healthy function, in other words, secreting of good um, lubricants, as well as the health of the vaginal microbes. Because when they change, you get yeast infections and bladder infections, which impact your immune system in such a way that it's chronically having to fight something off. So let's take a look at what's happening, for instance, in Ukraine at the moment. Mm -hmm. You know what, you can only fight for so long and then the troops become demoralized and they become fatigued and tired. So, you know what, it's that overactivity that leads to fatigue. Um, You know what, autoimmune diseases, like we um, referred to earlier, is very prevalent in hormonal changes or in hormonal imbalances. For one simple reason, you start activating the body's immune system. And then, you know, eventually it doesn't realize who it's fighting and it starts fighting everything around it. So instead of firing at your adversary, you start firing at your own troops because you don't know who they are and what they are. So you become trigger happy. And that leads to further inflammation, which has an impact on other systems. Again, and here we think specifically of the gut. And and it's true to say that chronic inflammation can lead to certain cancers, is that Oh, correct? absolutely. Chronic inflammation is definitely associated with cancer, specifically your cancers in the bowel, 
um, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah. Okay. So let's talk about the cancers that you are at risk if um, there is hormone imbalances, for instance. Is colon cancer one of those? Um, at least, yes. I, 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 uh, to a lesser degree. Um, you know, but when we look at colon cancer, it's one of the f- five most prevalent cancers in women. Um, alongside breast cancer, ovarian cancer, um, endometrial cancer, lung cancer, and skin cancer. So the hormonal influence is there. What we need to understand is that estrogen gets metabolized in the gut, and it's most often the metabolites um, that has an impact. We've heard of about phytoestrogens or zeoestrogens where plastics, um, pollutants, specifically things like pesticides, uh, mimic the metabolites of estrogen, and that increases the risk of cancer. One of the the things that I, I said I want to go into in a little bit more detail is the risk of estrogen deficiency and its role that it has in the brain. Mm-hmm. So one of the signs of menopause which, uh, is often irritability, mood swings, uh, anxiety and depression. But women also complain about cognitive decline Um, Not that they become stupid, it's that verbal communication for them becomes more difficult. It's almost as if they can't find the words. Yeah. So I refer to that as brain fog. Mm -hmm. Uh, You know, your brain knows that it's there, it's just not accessing it fast enough. Um, And the reason for this is actually quite simple. Estrogen is a psychoactive hormone and it plays a huge part in the normal functioning of your brain from learning ability to memory to hot flushes. Hot flushes originate in the brain, in your hypothalamus, because of estrogen not signaling that part of the brain to control the temperature. Now, Elise, I I read something which for me was mind-blowing. After a hot flush, your cortisol levels increase. Yeah. And what happens when cortisol increases? Blood pressure increases. Blood pressure goes up. So hot flushes in women cause cardiovascular damage. Both in the brain as well as in the heart. <clears throat> so for women with severe heart flushes, it actually increases their risk for developing heart attacks and strokes. Yes. Did you know that your <coughs> brain's gray matter, the volume of gray matter, is directly proportionate to estrogen? Mm. So... 
as your estrogen level starts declining, we can physically measure a decrease in your brain volume. And this then leads to a decrease of signaling between different areas of the brain. A decline in estrogen um, leads to a change in glucose metabolism in the brain. Now, if we don't metabolize glucose in the brain effectively, we don't give the brain energy to function. But also, we have an increase of amyloid plaques in the brain. And amyloid is responsible for Alzheimer's disease. So with a decline in estrogen levels, women's risks of developing Alzheimer's becomes four times higher than that of men and women with normal estrogen levels. What is amyloid block? Is Amy- it a, a fatty block? It's a, it's a protein. It's a, it a protein. It's a protein from the breakdown of, of glucose, yeah. Okay. Um, the emotional center of your brain is the amygdala. So we also refer to it as the primitive brain. And that's where we form emotions. Mm. So estrogen has a direct role to play there. Another area right next to that primitive brain is called the hippocampus. And that's the memory center of your brain. Yeah. And also high concentrations of estrogen receptors there. So when we are no longer signaling with optimal levels of estrogen, both emotional, um, um, I don't want to call it development, emotional, yeah, the development of emotions in that area of the brain becomes different. The hence irritability, mood swings. The hippocampus, where we have the highest concentration of estrogen receptors in the brain, is where we store memories. So women often complain about shorter memory loss. The other thing that it has an effect on is sleep. That's huge. So it directly impacts the areas of the brain that's responsible for sleep. So it's not just the hot flushes and the night sweats that affect your sleep. It's the low estrogen Mm. that affects your sleep. And what happens when we don't sleep enough? Fatigue, depression, anxiety, burnout, cognitive decline. Yeah. So... We, we need to understand that when we talk about hormone replacement for menopause, it's not just treating the symptoms of menopause. It is preventing serious decline and increase in risk of 
cardiovascular disease, osteoporosis, autoimmune conditions like thyroid, rheumatoid arthritis, osteoarthritis, uh, lupus, MS, cognitive issues like Parkinson's and Alzheimer's and definitely dementia. Also, we need to understand that um, these are things that you can prevent and delay. Um, The effect and the impact that hormone imbalances have on mental health is something that we will be discussing um, during our series for, for Women's Month. But to understand that it has a direct impact on depression and anxiety, as well as irritability and mood swings, is definitely something that we, we need to be aware of. And these are things that you need to discuss with your healthcare provider or your gynecologist when you talk about hormone replacement or when you start going into your perimenopausal period at the age of 45. It's preventing diseases of aging. It was interesting, Elise, you asked earlier about cancer and you asked about excessive estrogen in cancer, but a decrease in estrogen is associated with a higher risk of breast cancer, colon cancer, lung cancer, endometrial cancer, as well as ovarian cancer. We tend to forget that. Mm. Um, You know, it's, you can prevent the onset of cancer. You can't use hormones in patients who have hormone-sensitive cancers. That, That we know, but you can delay or prevent or decrease your risk at least for developing cancer by keeping optimal balance in your hormone levels. Okay, we we spoke a lot about estrogen this morning, but we mustn't forget about our progesterone, which is also a female hormone, and then the known male hormone, testosterone. The risk of that not being in balance with estrogen, etc., um, the one thing that I'm thinking of, progesterone is so important. We know est- progesterone is responsible for us to menstruate f- and during our cycle. But what is its risk of not having any progesterone after menopause? Um, I'm thinking of, it's called sometimes the anti-anxiety protein. Um, hormone. Yeah, progesterone plays a very big role in neuroinflammation. Yes. It actually calms the nervous system down. Um, so, you know what, I, I find it's a great balancer between testosterone and, and, and estrogen. estrogen. Um, very important. It's not just, as you said, for menstruation. Mm-hmm. It's also important for neurological well-being and um, the repair of neurological tissue. Um, we spoke a little bit about estrogen dominance. Now, if we look at the cascade of production 
of estrogen. It starts with cholesterol and when we make pregnenolone and from pregnenolone we make DHEA eventually, which is a pro-hormone. And from DHEA, you make the majority of your testosterone. Testosterone comes from DHEA. Now, then through a process called aromatization, you take that testosterone and you change it into estrogen. Most of a woman's estrogen comes from testosterone. Yes. But as we age, <clears throat> testosterone production starts decreasing quicker than that of estrogen. So think about it. If my testosterone, where my estrogen is coming from, decline quickly, I'm going to start activating the areas in the body, which is basically all tissue. It's nerve tissue, it's blood tissue, it's, it's your adrenals, it's your gut, um, to start making, even, even the skin, yes. to start making estrogen. And you know what, that creates an imbalance between testosterone and estrogen. And we usually see that with a decline in sexual appetite and sexual functioning, Correct. the libido and the sex drive, but no hot flushes yet. Mm. So that is when we have estrogen dominance. The other flip side of that coin is um, polycystic ovarian syndrome. Yes. Which you, where you have more androgens, which is testosterone. So now you're testosterone dominant in, in these women. And that's where you get your elevated insulin levels as well. Absolutely. Because of the testosterone receptors and insulin. And insulin receptors, receptors. that shares the same um, receptor sites. Yes. So hormone, hormone imbalances are varied. You can have them from childhood. And you know what, we, we need to realize that um, it has a great impact. Just think about polycystic ovarian disease in a young teenager. They are usually quite hairy. Yes, They are usually battling with their skin, breakouts, uh, blemishes, etc., etc. Often, they complain about being overweight and weight gain, even obese. Yeah. Um, they have irregular periods or very heavy and painful periods. And, you know, it, the psychological impact of that condition on that child at school when all her friends are blonde and gorgeous and, you know, she's battling and uh, you know I remember when I was at school um, you know I we had a girl who was a lovely person but she was two feet taller yeah. than the rest of us when we were in standard one um, and you know but in hindsight I now understand that she must have had a hormone imbalance. Yes, correct. Um, her parents were normal height. Her brother was normal height. But, you know, she towered above the rest of us. Um, I think when she was in Standard 5, she weighed what I weigh now. Um, and she couldn't control it because of a hormone imbalance. And I think how we treated her. 
So, you know, these are things that can be addressed if a diagnosis is made. And that gets us to the other risk of if you are not happy with your diagnosis or with being being told, oh, it's part of life, it's part of aging. Of getting old. Yes, go and get another opinion. I had a patient that sat in my office yesterday and said to me, she went to a, a, a gynecologist, it was an older colleague, um, and she complained about this and he said to her, you know what, when I was in my 30s, I could slam dunk a basketball. Now I can't. It's normal. Deal with it. So, um, so, you know, you have that. Yes, what we need to understand is hormonal changes as we get older are normal. Yes. And they will happen. But we are living longer, whether we want to or not. And to maintain well-being and quality of life mm-hmm. into a more advanced age, think about optimizing your hormones. Because if you do not, you open yourself up to other complications and diseases which can be prevented, mitigated, ultimately giving you a longer happier, more productive life. So <clears throat> this brings us to the end of today's podcast. Very interesting. Um, yes. if, you, if you want to have more information, please contact us at the T-Clinic. Our uh, telephone number in Johannesburg is 010-824-1393. If you are thinking about... Um, changing your lifestyle because of hormones. Think about optimizing them and not just accepting um, the inevitable aging. I I want to say, you know what, we live in an era of hacking and we can biohack our hormones, giving us a better quality of life. So, um, Elise, next week we are back, and I already forgot what we said we are doing next week. Oh, actually, I remember. Yeah. Um, we are talking about the importance of screening for cancer, and this is not just your, your normal mammogram and your pap smear. We're going to talk about the most common cancers in women and what we should do to identify them as early as possible. Until then, we wish all our female listeners a wonderful and a blessed Women's Month. And um, we'll be back next week. That was the Tea Health Show, empowering you with knowledge. Download all previous episodes on your favorite podcast platform. The Tea Health Show is brought to you by Tea Clinic.